Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. All right, here we go. Another round of overflow. Another round of overflow. Uh, We exist, overflow exists to be a corrective force, an active, aggressive, aggressive, corrective force against lifeless forms of Christianity. We believe that God our Father poured out his son, gave us a son to pour out the Holy Spirit on us so that we can have life. And we want to engage in all of the different uh, intricacies and realities of our faith that generate life. What does it look like to live in the fullness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Hence, overflow, because it all happens in the overflow of what God our Father is doing in our lives. Now, let's get into it today. I am in... uh, multiple conversations in different places with different people and different aspects about the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Personal work of the Holy Spirit causes a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. And this is is mission critical, right? In all of the topics of our faith, some of them have varying degrees of uh, prioritization. I'm not sure there's much that has greater priority than understanding the personal work of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of the living God is co-equally God. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Co-equally God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But He's also the one who's present in our lives today, supposed to be present in our lives today, generating all of this spiritual energy and life. So if we get the Spirit of God wrong, we're in we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And so let's... Let me let me walk into it in this way. And, and before, just as a as a real quick aside, uh, I am I'm super super happy to answer any questions you have about the Holy Spirit that I don't cover in this. Uh, this could be a, a weeks long conversation with all the different intricacies. If there's a specific question that you have that I'm not able to get into or don't get into in our time together today, you can drop it in the uh, in the blog at the bottom of the blog, or you can email me Jim at trexo.org, and I'm super happy to be able to get into that with you. And so let's walk into this uh, very in an organized way, in an organized way. So in the first place, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person with whom we can have a relationship. Holy Spirit's a person with whom we can have a relationship. He has personality. He's got will. He's got presence. He's got everything. The Holy Spirit has everything that contributes to personhood. So in the same way that the Father and the Son are persons, so too is the Holy Spirit. You, we got to think about the Holy Spirit in terms of a relationship. There's so much about our, our, our lives in the Holy Spirit that it's just normal relational dynamics. But if we don't understand him as a person, first and foremost as a person, and he's a mist or a blob or a ghost, the Holy Ghost, uh, then it can be very challenging for us to, to discuss him in terms of relationship. He is a person with whom we can have a relationship. And so uh, in what is... Commonly called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Lord Jesus Christ with his disciples says to them, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have, uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded them. 
So we are to be baptized into the Father, into the Son, into the Holy Spirit. We're to be baptized into a new relationship. Our baptism is supposed to be the mark of a brand new relationship that we have with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit. So when we are baptized in water, water baptism is the outward sign of an inward transformation that's happened. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender, we are surrendering to a new relationship with the triune God. Conversion is conversion from being an, em, an enemy, an enmity, an enemy of the triune God, the triune God, an enemy with the triune God, to now having a transformed, healthy relationship with the triune God, where we have been made sons and daughters of the Father, brothers and sisters of the Son, Jesus, and now temples of the Holy Spirit. Prior to conversion, I was not a son or daughter of the Father. You were not a daughter of the Father. I was not a brother or sister of the Son, and I was not a temple of the Holy Spirit. Conversion is the transformation, the transition of those relationships from one of being an enemy of the triune God to now being in the family of the triune God. That's that's conversion. That's conversion. So when I am baptized, water baptism, that is a symbol of my conversion. I have been converted. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is simply to be filled with the Holy Spirit at your conversion. It is moving from not being a temple of the Holy Spirit to now being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is what happens at conversion. Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, in a conversation with Nicodemus, uh, a religious teacher of the day, he says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says there has to be this, uh, this birthing, this baptism, this introduction of a person to the work, or to the person of the Holy Spirit, a new relationship has to happen according to the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 3. The Apostle Peter says in the book of Acts, and Acts can be a very challenging place to go and get consistent theology because there's so many Wild West-ish kinds of things happening uh, in, the, uh, in, in, in the book of Acts. So I don't hold this passage out as the ultimate in uh, Holy Spirit theology, but it is helpful. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Apostle Peter says to a group of people who've just heard him preach, he's just preached a sermon, uh, his Pentecost sermon, about repentance, about the, 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 the reality of Jesus as the forgiveness of our sins. And the people say, what must we do? And Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Apostle Peter says, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, I'm not looking at Acts 2.38 in isolation in connection with the Holy Spirit being a person, in connection with conversion being a transfer of relationships between a person and the triune God, relationship with a person and the triune God, and then, and then Jesus saying, you must be born again by the Holy Spirit. Here's the Apostle Peter saying, repent of your sins. Uh, because of what the gift of Jesus and you will receive the Holy Spirit. There, there's this connection to baptism is this, this introduction to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, and there are many, many, many other passages of scripture that we could, that we can uh, discover this in 
in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, again, the Apostle Paul. So we've got Jesus, we've got Peter, and now we've got the Apostle Paul. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says that at one's conversion, the Holy Spirit, who is poured out on a person through Jesus Christ, is the one who affects our washing of regeneration and renewing. So now there's no regeneration. There's no renewing apart from the person of the Holy Spirit. Those things happen in our lives when we are baptized in the Spirit as we give our lives to Christ. Baptism in the Holy Spirit happens at conversion. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be born again by Him. It is the act of beginning a new, healthy relationship with Him. Now, one of the fruits of baptism, one of the effects of our baptism is that we are sealed, what's called sealed, by the Holy Spirit into the day of redemption, until the day that Jesus comes back. The Holy Spirit is the one, not the Father, not the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us, who seals our faith. Now watch this. This is going to be real important for understanding so many of our journeys in the correct language that we need to use to describe what's going on in our lives. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, watch this, in him, in God our Father, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in, in him, in God our Father, with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you heard the gospel and you received the gospel at your conversion, baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who has sealed you. He is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession of the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us in our baptism. Baptized by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. Apostle Paul prays or says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Then in Ephesians 1, 15 to 18, the Apostle Paul is praying for those who have already been sealed to experience enlightenments. Ones who have already been sealed, ones who have already been baptized, Paul is praying that these would experience enlightenments of greater movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives already sealed, already baptized, Paul praying, the Apostle Paul praying, Ephesians 1, 15 to 18, that these new people, these people who have the Holy Spirit, would begin to experience new fillings and awakenings. So while we are baptized in the Spirit at conversion, we should experience all sorts of Holy Spirit fillings and awakenings throughout our journeys, throughout our journeys, right? So you can read the full context of this, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. This is Ephesians 1, 15, excuse me, Ephesians 1, 18, and I think 19 also. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, Paul prays this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now remember, he's praying about Christians. He's praying for Christians, those who've already been sealed, those who've already been baptized by the Holy Spirit. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or awakened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, the hope of God our Father's calling on, on, on your life, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, how much God our Father has for you in your life, and lastly, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. So Paul is praying on behalf of, he's interceding on behalf of Christians who are already baptized in the Holy Spirit, already 
uh, already sealed in the Holy Spirit. But he is praying that the eyes of your hearts, the eyes of our hearts will be opened, will be awakened to more of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life more about the calling, more that you would step into the fullness of the calling of God, more that you would step into the fullness of your inheritance of who God our Father has made you to be and what he has given you to do, and more about the power, the supernatural power that the Spirit of the living God has already bestowed upon you. Paul is not praying that the, the Holy Spirit is not in you and that you would have some fresh kind of some fresh kind of visitation by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying the person of the Holy Spirit is already in you, He's already in you, but he is working to awaken you to more and more and more in your life. And so, while well, one is sealed at conversion, sealed, baptized at conversion, one can experience ongoing Holy Spirit enlighten, enlightenings or awakenings. When these happen, when these happen in your life, they will feel like pure oxygen has just been injected into your soul. I mean, it is... To have an awakening in the Holy Spirit, to have an enlightening, it, it, it is, it is, it's, it's profound. It, it can feel like one is being filled with something that you've never had before. It, it can feel that way, but biblically, that's not true. What is happening is that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in you is awakening you to something brand new, or enlightening you to something brand new, and it just feels whoosh life-giving and generating and powerful and 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 exquisite and and these things will happen these things will happen throughout your journey throughout your journey so when the holy spirit brings something inside of you from darkness to light when he breaks something in you that you've held on to for to for years that movement is powerful it's powerful when he manifests, when the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of Jesus or our Father in you, that manifestation is powerful. When he heals a wound in you, that healing is powerful. When he liberates you from demonic spirits, that liberation is powerful. When you flex a gift, a supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit has given you, that flexing is powerful. But, 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 but these experiences do not mean, they do not mean that you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You were baptized at conversion. You were sealed at conversion. These experiences continue to mean that you are awakening to more of your new life as a son or a daughter of our father, as a brother or sister in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism, filling, awakening, sealing. Remember, this is a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that my relationship with my wife and the same way that my relationship with each one of my kiddos ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows, my relationship with the Holy Spirit, your relationship with the Holy Spirit can ebb and flow. Now, you're married, you know this. Uh, uh, if you're single, you have siblings, you know this. Uh, dated people, you know this. When your intimacy with your wife is tight, man, it feels like, Oh my gosh, you you will actually experience times in your marriage where you feel like you just got remarried all over again because the the joy of the freedom of what it felt like when you first got married just comes back to you. Well, you didn't get remarried, you didn't get married again, you didn't go to the altar again. But man, there's just a, a purity of intimacy that you are enjoying that you haven't felt in a while that makes it feel like it's all new again. It's the exact same way, and let's not confuse this. It's the exact same way in the Holy Spirit. Ebbs and flows in my relationship with the Holy Spirit 
And when, when the Spirit of God moves, especially if it's been a dry time, the Spirit of God moves, whoosh, man. Oh, man, it can feel like it just got born again again. It feels, I mean, it does. It really does. It feels like it just got born again again. But I did not just get born again again. I, I got born again. I was born again. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And 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 I got, you know, dry. And, and so now I've come back. I've come back to intimacy. And, and the Apostle Paul tells us that this is going to happen. Now, watch one last thing for our time together, because I know this can be dense stuff, dense stuff. And, and sometimes I can go really fast. And so, um, uh, I want to give you bite-sized pieces that you can process and we can come back and talk. And again, you can ask questions. One last thing for this episode, uh, in, in Ephesians 4:30. watch how all of this comes together. Watch how Paul brings so much of this together in Ephesians 4:30. When the Apostle Paul writes, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Watch this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Now now watch. He's saying you've already been sealed. You've already been sealed. Your salvation is secure by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, by the giving of the Holy Spirit in your life at conversion. You were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Paul is speaking to those who have the Holy Spirit, and he's saying to those of us who have the Holy Spirit, don't grieve, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a relationship. You're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Christian, the Holy Spirit inside the Christian wants to work in and through that Christian. The Spirit of God is in you to work. He's in you to love. He's in you to speak. He's in you to guide. He's in you to comfort. He's in you to transform. He's in you to convict. He's in you to give life, springs of living water. The Holy Spirit is in you to be a life-giving, dynamic, robust, energizing reality in your life. But we have the ability to grieve because we're in a relationship with him. The Apostle Paul says we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Christian grieves the Spirit when he or she denies or limits what the Spirit wants to do in that person's life. That's what it looks like to grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants to do X and you're not letting him. That You're grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, now, when the one grieving the Holy Spirit, holding back, think about it this way. When the one grieving the Holy Spirit is holding back the Spirit, it's like damming a river. It, it, it can feel like damning, grieving the Holy Spirit is like damning the river of life inside of you. It's not that the river of life isn't inside of you. It's that you've been damning the river. And when you when you capitulate, when you relent, when you allow that dam to be broken and the floodwaters of the Spirit of God go in your life, it can feel like, I just got baptized in the Spirit. I've been baptized in the Spirit. No, you did not get baptized in the Spirit. You were baptized in the Spirit of conversion. You suckers been grieving the Holy Spirit for a long time. Or you've been grieving the Holy Spirit in an area of your life. You can, you can say yes to the Holy Spirit in one area of your life and grieve Him in another area of your life. Hopefully, the goal is you come to a place where you give the Holy Spirit a blank check. You surrender completely. Spirit of the living God, do in me as you want to do in me and in whatever way you want to do it in me. So grieving the Holy Spirit is something that Paul warns Christians of who are already sealed by the Spirit of God for the day of redemption. So the question becomes for you and I, How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How's our relationship with the Holy Spirit? If you've given your life to Christ, you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you've given your life to Christ and, you, and the Holy Spirit is in you, are you grieving the Holy Spirit? Is, is there, how would you characterize your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? Is it robust? Is it dynamic? Is it intimate? Do you know him well? 
what is that? What does that intimacy with you look like it, between you and the Holy Spirit? If it's terrible, repent. Repent, just like you would in any other relationship that's broken or that's not working right. Repent of that. Relate. Repent of your part. Forgive me, Father, for I have grieved your Holy Spirit. Forgive me, Holy Spirit, for I have grieved you. I surrender this to you, and I ask you to fill me and to lead me. I'm not asking you to baptize me. I'm asking you to take over my life. I'm asking you to bring to darkness into the light. I'm asking you to give me breakthrough. I'm asking you to have intimacy, me and you, intimacy, one-on-one with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this particular part of our Trinitarian intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Uh, ask for forgiveness. If your intimacy with him is terrible, ask for forgiveness. If it's unhealthy, ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and begin learning how to live in the Holy Spirit. If your intimacy with the Holy Spirit is healthy, but you feel like you're stuck, which is absolutely possible, if you feel like you're stuck, then ask for an awakening. Paul is praying for Ephesian Christians that they would experience an awakening, an enlightenment in very specific areas of their lives. Notice it's not generic. Paul's prayer for enlightenment is not generic. He prays for enlightenment in three areas. The hope of your calling, the riches of inheritance, and the surpassing greatness of the power of God that is towards you to believe. You need a breakthrough in a specific area of your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you breakthrough. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you breakthrough. This is just a relationship. It is, it is just a relationship. It's quintessential. It's, it's foundational. It's paradigmatic. It's, that's a big word. It's a, that's a funky mouthful word. This is the person of the Holy Spirit who loves you, who cares about you, who wants to do all of these wonderful things in your life. So hopefully this has been foundational. Hopefully it's been clarifying for you. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to him. We are sealed in that baptism. And then we begin this relationship with him where we have the ability to grieve the work that he wants to do in our lives. And so I pray that this has been uh, uh, helpful to you. The uh, nature of our relationship, the degree of our relationship is supposed to be so pervasive, so robust that the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. The Spirit of the living God is, is, uh, is dynamic. The relationship with the Spirit of God is dynamic. It's life-giving. All of those wonderful things. Uh, and it's something that we have to continually learn how to do. So much more to say. So much more to say. I hope that this has been helpful to you. If you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Please don't hesitate to ask. Uh, email jim at trexo.org or if you're, uh, um, you can go on the blog, on the trexo.org blog and the overflow.org and you can write the question in the blog and I will do everything I can to answer them uh, as soon as possible. If this has been helpful to you, share it around on all your social medias. You can certainly use your help in spreading the word. Uh, if it's been really helpful to you, you can certainly use donations, funding for trexo.org and all that we do to get out the overflow message, get out the message of Trinitarian life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that good juju. I uh, hope you have a phenomenal day. Wherever you are, whatever God our Father is leading you through, that you would experience the power, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and all that he has for you. We'll be together again real soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.